Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Courage is a part of faith. Courage for truth, courage for in standing for principle, courage to identify oneself with those who suffer injustice by helping them, courage before despotism. We ourselves can be transformed by God through His grace, through the work of His Spirit, from feelings of fear, intimidation, to stand for truth and to have courage. The biblical account is uh, well illustrated with the work of God in transforming people. Peter himself, as we encounter him in Galatians and in the rest of uh, history, is such an example. In Galatians chapter 2, apostle, the Apostle Paul tells us that there was a moment in Peter's life, even as an apostle, after the day of Pentecost, when he was intimidated by the sheer personality of Jewish Judaizing Christians. He was intimidated and went back on principle. At that moment, Paul confronts him in regard to the truth. Peter must have changed. Secular history tells us that one who was afraid at one moment to acknowledge publicly that he knew Jesus concludes his life being crucified for identifying with Jesus. We are all capable of being changed by God. In Galatians 2, coming to verse 14, Paul continues this account of what happened in Antioch. In Antioch, there was a large community of believers, a good number of them from non-Jewish background. They had come to faith in Christ. We're all part of one body, one church, worshiping together, serving together, eating together, celebrating together. Jerusalem leaders had come down to see what was happening and also to aid it. Some others came down from Jerusalem. These with a different agenda. Their goal now is to convert the non-Jewish believers in Jesus into a Jewish identity. And the Jewish identity would be acquired by the males undergoing circumcision. And probably they would also have added the other things of the law that they were saying you cannot be saved unless you keep the law of Moses in addition to believing in Jesus. So this was not the gospel and Paul stands his ground. When Peter is intimidated by the personality of these and he goes back on principle and refuses then to eat at the same table with the non-Jewish believers, Paul confronts him. And the confrontation is a three-step argument that we find in Galatians 1, 14 through 18. First of all, he tells him, Peter, Peter's name in Aramaic is Cephas, Peter, look at you. You are a Jew. You grew up as a Jew. We are raised as a Jew. But now for a good while, you have not been observing Jewish regulations and laws. Why have you not been keeping the law like a faithful Jew should be? 
If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Peter, you are being a hypocrite. You have already stopped living like a Jew. So if you have abandoned your commitment to Jewish way of life, why do you want to impose it on non-Jewish believers? It does not make sense. It's the first step of the argument. And verse 15. In verse 15, he goes on to the second argument and says, Peter says, consider what made you give up your Jewish commitments. Verse 15, we ourselves, not only you, Peter, but I also, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Jews would have characterized non-Jews. They are Gentile sinners uh, because their ways of life and practice are contrary to what the Jews themselves would have uh, believed to be right before God. So we ourselves are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners, verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Although you and I, we both are Jews by birth and not Gentiles, we have abandoned our Jewish modes of conduct. Why? Because we realized that we are saved not by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ. Christ came into the world, fulfilled the requirements of the law in our behalf. Through Christ, we came to understand the fundamental truth concerning our need for a relationship with God and how that is achieved. In spite of all of the keeping of the law, we still fall short. Christ came as our substitute and fulfilled all the requirements. When we came to realize these things, we put our faith in Christ to be saved. And we stopped following the works of the law because by keeping the law, nobody will be made right before God. So, Peter, you stopped living like a Jew. It's a fact. How could you then now, now ask non-Jews to live like Jews? Argument number one. Second, Peter, do you realize why you and I, we both who were Jews, I was a Pharisee, you also were a devout Jew. Why did we abandon our Jewish mode of life and seek our standing before God on some other basis altogether? We realized it was through faith in Christ that one is made right before God, not by the works of the law. The works of the law do not contribute at all toward making us right before God. We set it aside. It is no longer a part of our life because we realize that salvation is through faith in Christ. So we believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Why do we make the switch? End of verse 16. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. There's a third argument, but before we go to that, this must be pointed out. A lot of people devout people, reasonable people, people who fear God, people who want to be right before God, are today wrong on this point. This takes two forms. One is those who are Christian, but still would consider keeping the law, especially the Ten Commandments, as a requirement for salvation. Do not misunderstand. The Ten Commandments and many other things in the law reflect the true will of God about our conduct. 
Those are in the law because those are always true. However, no one is saved by virtue of their abiding by the regulations and laws which God has given and is meant for humanity. Because none of us is able to keep the law to the perfect degree. We all fall short. This is why Christ is necessary. Christ is necessary because by ourselves, by our deeds, we cannot be right before God. Christ has done everything and is sufficient, and so we should entirely trust in Christ. Even as they preached the gospel, Peter, Paul, all of the apostles, and all of devout Christians would affirm the importance and necessity of living righteously, not stealing, not lying, not bearing false testimony, not speaking of God irreverently, trusting in God, resting in God, all of these things. But we would also at the same time affirm that I am not abstaining from things or participating in things so that I may be saved. I am already saved. I'm already saved by the work of Christ. This salvation is brought to me as a gift of God. For by grace you are saved. And this salvation is brought to me by simply trusting in Christ. How is that possible? Because Christ is sufficient. He is the Son of God who lived a perfect life and He did it in my place. When I put my trust in Christ, God puts His righteousness and goodness to my account and has taken my failures and shortcomings and put it to His account when he died as a substitute for sinners on the cross. So this is how I am justified. I'm not saved by believing and keeping the law. I'm saved by trusting in Christ. So this is the second argument that Paul lays out before Peter. Peter, one, you stopped being what you were. There was good reason. And the reason is also important. You stop being what you were because you realize that you're not saved through the works of the law, but by faith in Christ. These were both good. Now, listen, Peter, number three in verse 17. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? This is one of the most complicated steps in the argument in the epistle to the Galatians because I think few understand it. And I have yet to see a commentary that explains this clearly. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying, Peter, you abandoned keeping of the law for a simpler life of faith in Christ and abiding by his will, not being bound to the requirements of the law anymore. Who made you do it? Jesus made me do it. When now, as happened here in Antioch, when you refuse to have table fellowship with Gentiles, and you're going back. What are you doing by your behavior? You're saying that you were wrong. You were wrong before to have abandoned the requirements of the law, and that makes then you a sinner. You are doing something wrong under the influence of the gospel. If in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a minister of sin? Absolutely not. So the point is, if I did something, what did I do? I left the law and trusted in Christ and no longer worried about keeping all of the external requirements of the law. 
Who made me do it? Jesus made me do it. What am I doing now? I'm repudiating this freedom and going back into the law. So what am I saying? That what I did in my freedom by not following the external requirements of the law, I was wrong. If that is the case, the influence which made me abandon the law and simply trust in Christ was wrong. That would have been Christ. So if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, that would be the message of your going back, Peter. Is the Messiah then a minister of sin? You are casting aspersions on Christ who influenced you to set aside the law and come into the freedom of the gospel if now you are regressing and going back into the law. That cannot be correct. It's a very crucial argument in his encounter with the apostle Peter. And that this is what he's saying is also clear from verse 18. He says, if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. What I tore down was obedience to the requirements of the law. Rebuilding it is going back to observing the requirements of the law. Peter had been freed from it by Christ. Now if he is going back, he is repudiating not only his own conduct, he is also repudiating the influence that made him come into the freedom of not having to keep all of the external requirements of the law. It's a very profound and powerful argument that the Apostle Paul sets before Peter here. Jesus Christ brings us into a freedom. It is a freedom based on his own work. It is not a freedom to sin, as he will also clearly tell us later, but it is a freedom from the Jewish regulations which had bound the life of the the early believers before they are coming to Christ. And Christ has fulfilled all of the requirements of the law on our behalf to set us completely free. And we should live in this freedom of the gospel. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.